0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Can anybody tell they've been working on the PA system around here? Anyway, welcome. I'm glad everybody's here today. Welcome to the Greater Alton Church. Uh, I need to read you something before I get started. I believe most of you have heard about Jim Simpson's accident this week. Uh, Jim Simpson is a member here that he was diagnosed nine years ago with stage four lung cancer that had metastasized to the bones. Uh, and Wednesday, he fell, cutting wood, and broke his hip. And uh, they discovered he was supposed to take some medication that was supposed to strengthen his bones. He was supposed to quit taking, or they were supposed to take him off of it two to three years ago. And because they didn't, it then weakened the bones. And uh, he had surgery on Thursday morning, I believe it was. And then they're going to do another surgery on his other side, uh, this other hip, uh, to put a rod in it because of the weakness of the bones. And so anyway, I, I wanted to share with you this morning, I got a text from Jim this morning, and guys, I love Jim's faith. He displayed the same kind of faith when he was diagnosed nine years ago. And I want to share this with you. He says, Sorry I will be missing your sermon today, but I will listen when it's available. Please keep me in prayer. Surgeon will do the right hip at 7.30 tomorrow. Surgery will be much easier than left and should heal much quicker. Pray that God will remind me of what He has brought me through in the past and He will get me through this too. I'm His and He is not done with me yet. Another opportunity to trust and obey. For there is no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. And guys, I share that with you definitely be praying for Him. But just to share the faith by which he is handling the health that he's faced with and has been dealing with for nine years. And he's going, look, God's taken care of me in the past. He's got plans for me. It's all in his hands. And guys, I love that kind of faith, so I do ask you to remember him in your prayers. Um, anyway, we have been talking for the last two weeks, and you've got one more week after today of me, and then I believe Tim is going to be back. Uh, but we are, we've are we been talking about the significance of the resurrection. Uh, we talked about, the, obviously, the resurrection on Easter Sunday, because that is when the Christian world focuses on the, 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 the resurrection of Jesus and talks about it. And I don't know about you, but for me, and I've shared this for the majority of my adult life, uh, the resurrection was kind of a, a doctrine or a study topic that you had on the shelf, and I, he didn 't think about it a lot i didn 't it didn 't impact my life in any way that, that I noticed or that I was conscious of and so we spent two weeks just talking about the significance of the resurrection in the last two weeks. We talked about how it 's the linchpin of our faith. it is central to our faith there 's one preacher I heard on YouTube he talks about you throw the resurrection out and Christianity falls apart. It is that central to it. It was the centerpiece of the gospel. As you see the gospel presented in the book of Acts, and it's talked about later on. Uh, Paul simply, in, in writing to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he says, this is my gospel. Christ Jesus descended from David, raised from the dead. And it's, he, he whittled it down to just a few few elements that you could expand to more, but the resurrection was one he included right there in it. We talked about in the first week that Jesus', was, Jesus resurrection was the beginning of new creation. Last week we talked about uh, if we will let Jesus open our eyes about the resurrection, that we're choosing to see things we hadn't considered. Okay? Uh, to see things we, we hadn't realized, like how much... The resurrection was anticipated by the Israelites before Jesus even came. And for believers, going all the way back to the book of Job, where he talks about, I'm going to see my Redeemer on the earth in the flesh. Talking about, I'm going to be in the flesh after I go back to dust. It's just incredible. Things we hadn't considered there. The other thing I'm choosing is that I'm choosing to have my beliefs challenged. And this morning, I'm hoping to dig down on that a little bit more as we'll get to in a minute. Uh, and then the third thing was that we're choosing to double down on our faith. You know, you go talk to the world today, you hear a lot about science. And science and the resurrection, they don't go together. They, they battle each other. And so guys, that's what we've been talking about. This morning we're jumping in, as you can see. I'm going to be talking about let's get busy living. And as soon as I can find my notes, there they are. We'll read them. Um, how many of you, you like to go to the movies? Movie fans? Every now and then you find a movie and it has great spiritual implications, great spiritual uh, illustrations, motivations, however you want to say it. And sometimes you find them in the weirdest places and sometimes those are understandable. Like in the, uh, the Lord of the Rings. Okay, the, the gentleman that wrote The Lord of the Rings was a contemporary of C.S. Lewis, who wrote, you know, The, the Chronicles of Narnia. And both those, those books, and those movies, have spiritual parallels, spiritual illustrations. I, 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 I loved watching The Lord of the Rings. Uh, there's other movies, such as The Matrix. I could be wrong, I don't know who wrote The Matrix. don't know who produced it. I'm going to say that the guy wasn't shooting for spiritual illustrations in that movie. Okay? But it's been used for it. Specifically, that scene where uh, Neo is offered to take... Is it the red pill or the blue pill? Okay? And you know, you, you take this one pill and you go back to your lovely little life in La La Land, believing everything's hunky and dory, and nothing changes but if you take the blue pill, you're Alice in Wonderland, baby. Where well, your eyes are opened and you see things differently and the world changes. You see the world as it actually is. And uh, that's kind of what we're going to be doing today. But guys, the title of today's lesson, Get Busy Living, comes from another movie. Anybody? Shawshank Redemption. I only took half the line. What is it? Get Busy Living or what? Or Get Busy Dying. And guys, I chose that because hopefully I'm going to show today that, guys, that's the same spiritual direction that the resurrection points us at. It's to say, get busy living. You see, look at these two first two passages here that we have in your notes, Romans 6 and Romans 7. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 4, it says, "...when we were baptized..." We died and were buried with Christ. We were buried so we would live a new life. As Christ was raised to life by the glory of the God the Father. See guys, I don't know about you, but I think if we would have asked people, "What's what happens at baptism? Just a general question, what happens at baptism? We'd hear, man, your sins are forgiven. Okay? What else happens at baptism? Well, that's where you pledge allegiance to Jesus. You make Him the Lord of your life. Okay, what else happens at baptism? And, and sometimes people say, well, you're raised to live a new life. And commonly what we think about that, sometimes you're raised to live differently. And it means, it means more than that, as we're going to see here in just a minute. In Romans chapter 7 and verse 6, it illustrates this a little bit more, or gives us a few more details. It says, but the law no longer rules over us. We are like dead people. And it cannot have any power over us. Now we can serve God in a new way by obeying His Spirit and not in the old way of obeying the written law. See guys, I chose this specific translation of those two verses for the very clear reason because it's talking about living a new life and living in a new way. And guys, and what it means, if you, if you, if you, you look up those two verses, and you look at if you go to Bible Gateway, and you can look up you can look up any, either one of those verses, and you can click, there's a choice where you can click, and it'll show you those verses in all these other translations. And the most common word that's translated there instead of new way of life or a new life is a newness of life. Now I don't know about you, but I didn't use the word newness last week in my. Vocabulary. In fact, it kind of sounds like somebody uses that word. They kind of made it up or, you know, didn't have proper English. Newness of life. And so I went back and I looked at the, looked, looked it up. And guys, what it's talking about, listen to this. Newness means of recent origin, production, purchase, having but lately come or been brought into being of a new kind now existing or appearing for the first time. And what he's saying there, guys, is the resurrection ushered in a new way to live that did not exist before. And that's incredibly exciting. To think that I can live life in such a way that I really live. That I have real life. And that's what it's talking about here. Specifically, as he talks in, in, in that last verse in Romans seven, it says, "Not in the old way by obeying the written law, okay, but in this new way." And you know, see, I got a few things there in your notes. We could talk for weeks about the old way versus the new way. I'm very generalized on this today. I didn't even put scripture references on there, though I reference some as I go go through them. See, but last week when I talked about that Jesus will ch- when Jesus you allow Jesus to open our eyes to the significance of the resurrection, we're making a choice to have our beliefs challenged. You see, because it is a natural path for us to take as human beings, and it's reinforced by a lot of what we experience uh in churches, is that we we, we approach it from a very legalistic, rules based religion. And we say, well, here's all the guidelines. Here's the do's, here's the don'ts. And we focus on what's a sin and what's not. And you see, guys, that old way, number one, it depends upon human ability and power. Okay, that's why we do. We teach people what's right, teach people what's wrong, do what's right, don't do what's wrong. And it's your ability to do it. And we kind of whittled it down sometimes in our frustration with somebody we're close to. And they're, they're having trouble with a particular sin and we say you know we quote Nike and we say just do it you should just be able to do it I can just do that one you just do it not realizing we have our own area we need to just do it in but guys if if we focus on these rules and these laws as, as a way to change our behavior now behavior change is important for the follower of Jesus there's no doubt about that but we can't do it the old way okay and what happens when we do this when we focus on this it results in judging and being judged i believe that is one of the that's probably the number two thing churches are known for is judging okay and judging each other and judging those outside of the church which by the way we're told not to worry about that okay we need to be concerned with us inside the church but guys jesus told us to be careful in our judgments and not to judge too quickly But we become focused on it. I believe it's, I believe judgment, churches judging, we're known for that second, and first I believe we're known for what? Gossip. What are we gossiping about? Judging everybody. And guys, this old way is described as enslaving us. In in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 6, it tells them, make sure that no one takes you captive. Through hollow and deceptive philosophies which depend on man rather than God. Later on in Colossians 2, and we looked at this last week, it talks about that rules and regulations have the appearance of wisdom, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Guys, that's the old way. It told you what was right. It told you what was wrong. But it lacked the power. Now the new way is first of all empowered by the Holy Spirit you see back to that verse in Romans chapter 7, what does it say? in a new way by obeying His Spirit see guys, before Jesus died and resurrected, we couldn't have the Holy Spirit living in our lives He didn't indwell within us we didn't have Him available at our side every second of every day to guide us we're gonna be digging down on that a whole bunch more next week, as we talk about the power to live this life. Um, sec- second thing though, it's it's focused on imaging and representing God. We're gonna talk about that in a minute. Uh, it result and it results in unity. You see, guys, because then there's less fighting and there's less judging and there's more coming together to say, are we following Jesus? Are we imaging God correctly? Are we becoming like Jesus? And the Bible tells us this results in freedom. The challenge though, guys, is it's not automatic. And we need to know this because if it it was automatic, the letters in the New Testament would have a lot different content to them. Would they not? I learned this week, I don't know if any of you know this, uh... They say that the Bible is written in three literary styles. Uh one is is poetry, one is historical or narrative, and the other is called prose discourse. Anybody use that in a conversation this week? And you look that up and prose discourse it's literally a term that describes What's going on in the New Testament, and it means that it is an arg- it presents an argument to their readers in the hope that their response will be a change in behavior and thinking. You see, if the new- if it came automatically, if this new way of living just came automatically to me, and I came up out of the waters of baptism, and woohoo, I just did everything differently. What we read in the New Testament would be much different. They wouldn't have to make that argument because I'd already be doing it. And so this morning, we want to talk about how do we get busy living this new way. And i got three things. Number one is I get busy living this new way when I embrace God's purpose for my life. When I embrace God's purpose for my life. Let's just be honest for a minute. Maybe not at the point we accept Jesus, but somewhere in our in our walk with Jesus, we just decide, I just want to be saved. I just want to get through this life. I want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. And that's my main concern. That's why we accept Jesus. We've got a short list of things we, we needed to quit. You know, those were our sins, and we needed to quit those. And, uh, okay, we want to stay away from those. Maybe Maybe get a few more good traits to go with them. But generally, we just want to go through the motions. We want to go to church on Sunday, uh, whatever else the church has available for us to do that we think we should should be a part of, whether it's to be involved in a ministry. But we just want to get to heaven. And you see, guys, uh, and there there are those of us we do, I mean, most people, without a doubt, we want a purpose in our lives. But when it comes to finding a purpose as a follower of Jesus... My experience has been that my first, you know, the first thing I want, my first, if I'm looking for purpose, the first thing I want is something warm and fuzzy. You know, I want a purpose that makes me feel good. Okay, or it's it's something that that fits my likes and my experiences. You know, years ago I, I imagined a, uh, I, I'm a bow hunter, or I used to be, haven't done it much lately. Bow hunting for deer. And it's like, wouldn't it be great if I could lead a ministry of bow hunters? You know, I could use that to help people find Jesus and to be closer to Jesus. And I'm not saying that can't be done. But you can clearly see my motive in thinking that way. That's my purpose, you know. um, We may decide when when we're looking for our purpose, we decide that it's something that will give me recognition. Okay, some people desire that. It'll give me, people will acknowledge me as being a person of faith, uh, I will be recognized, respected. I don't know, but that's what it is. But the truth of the matter is, guys, that God created every one of us for one purpose. And it's the same purpose. No matter what our circumstances is. And God, that is, that He created us to be imagers of Him. In Genesis 1, you're familiar with it. It talks about that God created man in His image, which means to image Him or to represent Him. And I know I talk about this a lot. I'm not going to apologize for that. Um, but let's look at this passage here in Colossians chapter 3. Look at, look at how these are tied together. Look how Genesis 1 is tied together with this call to live in a new kind of way. He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature... Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. You see guys, God created human beings to be His representatives, to image Him in this world. And we got way away from that. And some people refer to Jesus giving the Great Commission, and I heard somebody, a preacher recently say it was actually the recommission. He was just taking the original purpose of man and saying, get back to it. And that's what this new way is all about. You will not live in a new kind of way unless you embrace this purpose. And when I talk about embracing, guys, it seems so basic, doesn't it? And I'm not saying we need to really understand that deeper. We do. I'm not saying we need to be able to explain it to other people. We do. You see, because there's a difference between knowing or understanding and embracing. Embracing means you take it for your, for yourself. You accept it as this is your purpose in this world. And my wife and I have been, been, been focused on this for the last few years. And guys, it is revolutionary what happens. It makes life so much simpler on what I need to do. You know, there, there, the classic scene is a, is a funeral. You go to a funeral, and what do you? Anybody wonder what you're supposed to say at a funeral? Excuse me. Anybody wonder what you're supposed to say at a funeral? I do. You know, what are you supposed to say when somebody faces something bad, like Jim? What are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do when you're in a situation? My wife and I found ourselves in a situation uh, on Friday. Uh, we were driving uh, a friend to see their daughter down in Springfield, Missouri. They're in a group home down there. And they had their two daughters with them. And it's like, in the past, I would think, what am I supposed to say here? What am I, how am I supposed to act in these situations? You know, how can I guide the conversation in a spiritual kind of way? We have four hours each way in the car. I have an eight year old, a 13 year old, and two mothers, along with Susan and I. Hey guys, it was so simple to go, I'm supposed to represent God. So when we're at the gas station, Wally's by the way, has everybody been to Wally's? You need to go to Wally's. It's pretty good. It's over in Fenton. We are with Wally's and there's an 18, 8 year old and a three, 13 year old. And what do I do? What does what God do? God likes to give good gifts, doesn't he? So I give each of the kids 10 bucks and say, go get what you want. And it was kind of funny on the way home, the little 8 year old, she's in the back and I'm just trying to engage her and say, you know, the whole way down I'm like saying, uh, hey Joyous, yeah, we got two hours left. By the way, they got in the car. To go see their sister. They, yeah, we want to go see our sister. And after they were in the car and we were headed there, they found out it's a three and a half hour drive one way. And so I'm, I'm doing that just trying to engage her. Guys, that's what God does to us. God says, hey, I'm here. All through your life, you can look where God's saying, hey, look, I'm here. And so on the way back, I'm, I'm, we're going and I say, Joyous, yeah, we're stopping for gas in St. James in 20 minutes. Okay you going to need more money? And guys, it's just a simple thing. You know, we drove. We were friendly. How do I represent God in this situation? It simplified it so much. Look at these two passages and we'll move on quickly. Romans chapter 8. I use this verse a lot. It says we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Hebrews chapter one, it says that the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word guys this is why we need a growing understanding of God because we are supposed to be like him and represent him and we've got to embrace that second thing that we need to do if we're going to get busy living this new way is we. I need to evaluate myself evaluate myself as I said earlier Living this new way is not automatic. Okay? Uh, Multiple times in the New Testament, we are told to evaluate ourselves. It's not in your notes, but 2 Corinthians 13.5, it says to examine yourself. Okay? That's what we're supposed supposed to be doing. Um, Specifically, what we are told to examine... Is how well we're doing living this new way of life, and more even more specifically, is how well we are doing allowing this Holy Spirit to guide our lives. Okay, um, there is. Here's the situation, guys. A lot of times, and we're gonna be talking about Galatians five moving forward, but in Galatians chapter five, there's two sections that you're probably very familiar with. The first one's in chapter 5, verses 19-21, through and they are called the acts of the sinful nature. Y'all familiar with those? All of them? (laughs) The other one is the fruits of the Spirit. And it's very easy to look at those, as I said, here's the list of don'ts, here's the list of do's. That's not why those lists are there. If you look at the whole passage there, as we're going to look at other parts of it right now, It's talking about those lists are there to say examine yourself and see which one, which, what's guiding your life. Is the Spirit guiding your life or is the Holy Spirit guiding your life? Look at this passage in Romans chapter eight and then we'll look at Galatians five. It says those who live according to the flesh, that's your sinful nature, sometimes translated that way Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now please understand, the book of Romans was not written to non-believers. It was, though non-believers, it's okay if you read it. It's written to people who are following Jesus, and he's saying, look guys, there's, you're either living by the Spirit or you're living to satisfy your fleshly desires. Let's contrast those for you right now. You see, guys, that's why there needs to be an examination of self. I need to say, which do I give more attention to? What guides my thoughts? Does this purpose that I've created guide my thoughts? Does this desire to represent God, to be like Jesus, represent my thoughts? Or is it, what do I want? Uh, Galatians 5, it says the same thing here. A little bit different way. It says, so I say walk by the Spirit and you will not satisfy or gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. My wife and I have Two beagles. Some of you are familiar with Taco and Lucy. Taco is a five and a half year old beagle. And I am his emotional support human. Okay? He is almost codependent. Uh, doesn't like to go outside by himself unless he's going to visit the neighbors. Uh, he is a beagle. His nose does work. But, you know, chasing a rabbit? Nah, nah not, all, not all that. Chasing a deer? He's learned that ain't worth doing. Okay? Uh, that, that's Taco. Very well behaved dog. Oh, last July, we decided to get us a new beagle. Lucy. Hi, hey, Poppy. Lucy is 110% beagle. The neighbor looked at that dog and says, you're going to have fun with that dog. <laughs> and it is the truth. I, now, one of the reasons I have beagles, is because it, it, it helps me, makes me, encourages me, motivates me to get out and walk. At age sixty, I got to work to get exercise. We got a farmer's field beside us. We walk them all winter, and uh, it—they it, love it. They—they they stalk me in the morning, looking for my actions, in hopes that I'm going to say the magical words, "Let's go for a walk." <laughs> These are my beagles, and this—it's great. Lucy, I mean, and she is a lot of fun. It—it's an amazing—they're amazing animals. Okay, I can watch will the the deer jump up and to run away. Before we get there, they don't see him, and we can walk, and I videoed this, the dog will walk along, and that, that pop, Lucy, immediately when she hits, hits the path where that deer walked, she smells their scent, and always goes in the right direction. I mean, I, to me, how, how do you know, okay, I smell this deer, how do you know it went this way or this way? I mean, just, just fascinating. They dig for moles. That's her favorite activity. The problem with all this and all this walk is when I decided it's time to go back in the house, Lucy doesn't want to go back in the house. Okay? And she knows she's smart. When we get close to the house, the only way I can get the, the pinch collar on her is to, is to catch her digging for moles. And, and she's, she won't move from that. And so I can get the pinch collar on her. But even after I get the pinch collar on her and we're walking to the house taco has freedom he doesn't need a leash and so he's wandering over here and she is constantly pulling against this pinch collar trying to get with taco trying to follow her nose trying to do what comes naturally to her now i found a cure for this and that is i got to put taco on a leash too taco doesn't he don't have a pinch collar he just has a regular collar And the worst part about it for him is that she's constantly wanting to play with him and and chew on him. But when I put him on the leash, he knows what to do. And she calms down. She doesn't run off chasing things she sees. She can't run off and chase him because he's right here. And you see, guys, I was thinking about this the other morning and that's what we're talking about here. or, Or illustrates what we're talking about here. See, When it comes to us following our desires, we are like Lucy. As human beings. That's what it says. This flesh that we have has a natural desire to be selfish. And to do what we want. That's what it just said in Romans chapter 8. That's what it is. But when I get taco on the leash, see, taco represents the Holy Spirit. When we get the Holy Spirit to guide us, guess what? All of a sudden, we can say no to those desires. All of a sudden, we have the power to live differently. And you see, guys, that's the the point of the evaluation is to say, am I paying attention to the Holy Spirit? That's why it says here in Galatians 5, it says, so I walk by the Spirit. I don't know if I'm thinking of just another translation or if it's somewhere else in Galatians 5, but it talks about let us keep in step with the Spirit. In fact, I believe it's later on in the chapter, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. Just like Lucy has to keep in step with Taco, we're to keep in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit gives us guidance. The question is, I guess, I guess I'm asking you, are you on the leash or off the leash? Are you following the Spirit? That's where the evaluation process takes place. And it has to be, because it's an ongoing thing. I wish I could tell you, I made the decision in 2010 that I was going to be led by the Spirit. And I was going to keep in step with the Spirit. And guess what? That's what I've done. No, my flesh is still here. My flesh is still here. So I have to decide which I'm going to follow. And I have to evaluate constantly which I'm going to do. Okay, see, I've got to ask, what's guiding my life? What's guiding my actions? What's guiding my attitude? What's guiding my thoughts? Ooh, what's guiding my feelings? Is it what I want? Or is it what the Spirit thinks? So many times we think we can't control our feelings. Well, if I'm feeling something that's not from the Spirit, I better be able to control my feelings. I better be able to choose. Third thing. If I'm going to get busy living this new way, I need to get busy living this new way. Generally speaking, uh, I teach, I like to tell people that, you know, our circumstances are our classrooms for our character to become like Christ. You all heard that? Typically, I there there's two big classrooms in our lives. And one of them is in your home life, if you're married, uh, if you're in a family, if you have roommates, that exposes you know, your, your, your desire to not be like Jesus, shall we say. The other is on the job. Um, however, what I found in preparing for this lesson is that the New Testament points to two slightly different areas. Okay, and this is what we want to talk about this morning. Because I believe this is significant. But we need to get busy living this new way, first of all, In the church. Guys, inside the kingdom of God. Look at these two passages here in Galatians chapter 5. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command... Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Later on, down in verse 25-26, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. What's, what's with all this one another language in here and each other? I mean, is, is this just a general, is it saying each other like, oh, oh as, as a member of society, as a member of humanity, it, it, each other? No guys, this letter was written to the church. Who have, it's written to believers who have accepted that they want to embrace this purpose. They've accepted this new way of life. And when Paul is addressing these, these believers as living this new way of life and evaluating yourself, the context that he puts it in is how we interact with each other. Do you think there's any significance to that? You see, guys, I believe there is. I believe Jesus offers this new way of life, and it's supposed to be a taste, a very clear, distinctive taste of what eternity will be like. When there will be no sin, there will be no disease, there will be no death, and there will be justice. Justice will reign. There will be no selfishness. There will be no fleshly desires. It will be heaven on earth. And we're called to be... Well, the truth of the matter is, guys, we are called to start living that way now. And so, guys, when you, when you look at this evaluation process, and you say, okay, I need to start living, the first place we need to look is how are my relationships going with those inside the church? With other believers? Years ago, Alan challenged me uh, on, on <clears throat> uh, when it came to financially helping people. He showed me Galatians chapter 6, where it says, keep doing good to all people, but first with those who belong to the house of believers. Okay, Some people have said that the early church was socialist. It was socialist inside the church. And it was volunteer. That was different than the socialism we understand today. But we were to take care of those inside. And you see that taking place. They took care of the widows. They took care of the poor. You look in the book of James and it talks about this. It starts there first. Well, guess what, guys? It's not just about financially taking care of each other. It's about how we treat each other. It's about how we think of each other. It's about how we, the attitudes we have, the love we have and express to each other. See guys, that is why forgiveness is such a significant thing. Because without forgiveness, we don't get along, do we? Because we're still humans and we still make mistakes and we still have problems. Years ago, there was a guy in our small group, we were talking about people hurting us. So he goes, I'd like to get close to you. I said, I'll hurt you. And he was just shocked. Why would you tell me to do that? I said, because I'm human. And the truth of the matter is, somebody in this room is likely to hurt you because they're human. I'm not saying there's people with malice or you have a target on your back. It is the reality of living with other human beings. And we're to live in a new kind of way. Yes, there should be less of that. There should be less of that hurting. But when that hurting takes place, there should also be forgiveness. There should also be humility. We should work hard, as it talked about right there, to not provoke one another. To not be envious of one another. You see, guys, it's easy in some ways to image God It was easy for me to give money to these little kids and let them see that without me even telling them that God sees them, that God recognizes them, that God gives good gifts that you don't expect. It's another for me to overlook an offense. It's another for me to forgive. And guys, I believe that's a challenge. Church Christianity has a bad reputation. In a lot of ways. Because what? Churches are known for not getting along. And you see guys, I hate that. I wish I could do something to change the image that non-believers have of, of Christianity in America. And I'm not saying everybody, there's no church nowhere that gets along. I'm not saying that we're down on the scale. But I'm saying... That we've got to give it. I'd love to change it. And the only way I know to change it is to work on what's in front of me. And that starts with me. And I'm asking you to do the same thing. Okay? The second thing, the second area that i found is in my circumstances. The truth of the matter is every one of us live in different circumstances. We have different types of jobs. We have different kinds of backgrounds. We have different types of families. We have different types of income. There are differences, and our circumstances are different. But the Lord expects us to live in a different kind of way in our circumstances. Look at this, look at this passage here in Colossians chapter 3. It says here there is, when it says here there is, he's talking about inside the church. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, Slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. And what he's saying there, and this is this is this verse follows what we read earlier. If you look up in your notes in Colossians chapter three, we read this earlier in verses five through ten, where we were talking about putting on this new self and being renewed in the image of its Creator. And he's saying, basically saying guys, you're all in different circumstances, but guess what? Those circumstances are not your identity. Your identity is as an imager of Jesus. And your circumstances is just where that plays out. The question is, am I going to image God as a business owner? For most of you, it's, am I going to image God as an employee? And guys, there's, there's there's a ton of labels that we put on ourselves or we take for ourselves, and the Spirit is trying to guide us in every area of our life, no matter what that is. Let me just list some that are out there today: labels that you may you may embrace, male, female, black, white, employee, employer, college educated, blue collar, Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. And guys, that list goes on. We tend to want to grab our circumstances and make them our identity. And instead, we're supposed to live a new kind of way in those circumstances to which we find ourselves. The challenge this morning, guys, as we close out, is am I living this new way? Am I willing to put my faith in this new way of living that Jesus died and rose for to provide for me? Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead to provide this new way of living for me. Am I willing to trust Him in that and live that way? Guys, there's some communication cards in your bulletin if you wish to fill those out. If you're visiting with us especially, we'd love to, to know about you. Uh, if you want to know more about this new way of living if you're here and you're, you're not a believer and you say listen I want to know more about this write it on the card we encourage you guys if you have a prayer request if, you, if you're convicted hey look I need to give attention to this let us know that as well let's pray and we'll be done Father it is so good to know you Father, it is so exciting to know that You've revealed Yourself to humanity if we will simply look. Father, You've given us many ways, especially through Your Word. And Father, I could go on and on and on about that. But Father, we've been talking about this resurrection thing. And Father, it is amazing That You are bringing about a totally new creation at some point in time. And right now we can live in this new kind of way, the way we will live for all of eternity when we choose to. Father, the very first verse we looked at today in Romans 6 says that we were baptized, we were united with Jesus in His death so that we can come up out of the water and live this new life. Father, I pray at the very least That today, individual hearts and minds will say, I want to know more about this. I want to understand this more. How do I live this new life? Father, You've revealed Yourself to us. You've revealed our purpose that You created us for. You've called us back to that purpose. Father, you give us the tools to evaluate ourselves. You've given us Your Spirit to show us clearly in that evaluation process where we're at. Father, it's my prayer that Your creation is truly led by Your Spirit. Father, I pray that begins with me and with those here today. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen.
1: I will never be the same again I can never return i close the door I will walk the path I'll run the race and I will never be the same again. I will never be the same again. I can never return. I've closed the door. They're ready. Mm-hmm. E-